So to answer a couple of things real quick, yes, uh, you are correct about the assumption about what I was trying, how I was trying to explain. Sorry, that was a weird sentence. Um, how these cells worked. Yeah, they're, all they do is cancel powers. You don't know. It, it, your assumption is correct about uh, the present or one of his goons or a group of them or whatever uh, bringing individuals into here. The little robot is not tied in any way to the cells. But you do find out that it's part, it's like a, almost a subroutine. It's a small little offshoot or maybe um, part of a larger AI somewhere else that is here that you have not run into. That's one of the things like, if you want to change how you interact with this thing, um, just send me a message. Like I said, um, it, it gives you the boop boop. Can I help you? Kind of deal and wheels around. And you know that it didn't come from any of the cells because uh, you would have seen it just because you would have passed all of the other ones. And it didn't come down the way you came down, which you think is the only, or from what you've seen, is the only uh, entrance and exit out of the quarantine area, uh, you would have passed it with, especially with its little wobbly will. All right. So everybody, uh, all of our listeners, we did a little bit of, uh, off screen, uh, talk and rolling to speed a few things up. Uh, so some of the if thens have changed, um, due to a couple of different circumstances. So uh, Fergus picked up that the, the little robot the, that's beeping, booping around uh, is not tied to the cells in any way. It's, it's an AI that's almost like a, a subroutine, a, a smaller part of a larger AI that uh, Fergus has not run into previously. So he starts to inquire of this, this little robot after, you know, it's, what can I help you with? It's this very upbeat and chipper little uh, device robot. And Fergus asks, where do you come from, little one? And it kind of, kind of trumpets a little bit and looks at Fergus and says, I am the son of Conchu. And I had Flocky roll and uh, he got a 13 plus his intelligence and he knows that Conchu is a Egyptian god um, specifically tied to the moon and travel um, past that is not quite sure that's what flock you get from your uh, your your check the, the role I had you do 
and you kind of talk and inquire about, you're like, Kanchu and the, yes, it, it says, uh, it, if I could talk, it says designation K2, and kind of whirls around a, a little bit, and Seems kind of lifts its will that you fixed and kind of jiggles it a little bit. And the LED kind of smiles and yeah, yeah, looks at you and said, uh, yeah, you continue to inquire on it about where it came from. It says, um, came from the dark place away from brothers and sisters. Would you like to meet? And we're just going to say, for pacing and story, you say yes. And this little robot wheels out of the uh, the cell that you're at and heads starts heading away from the, the ramp that you had come down the, the corridor and... Starts heading straight towards a, a solid wall, and there's a there's a small, probably like five foot ish section um, where the cells in and the and the stone corridor uh, meets, and it just kind of full speed, which is kind of a brisk walk for a person, goes headlong into one of the corners and vanishes straight through it, and. It doesn't look like it phases or anything, but you, you know, you don't have to worry, like I said before, you don't have to worry about physical barriers. So you put your head through and look, and it seems like it's some type of hologram, although it's masked in some way, uh, that your data link powers don't register it. Um, it's, it's obfuscated uh, in some fashion. So, uh, you yeah, you can tell me if you mess with it or anything, uh, but you head through, and uh, this corridor is, is dark, but due to your data link, you're able to kind of keep track where this, this little K2 robot is. And it winds down and around and, and through this completely blacked out corridor for, for quite a while. And you, you feel uh, more than see because it's still dark, uh, but you feel the space just suddenly open. And as you're stepping into this space, uh, these the equivalent of, of floodlights, which you can't actually see because they're they're very high but they have the it has the same um acoustic sound of all these lights going down these rows and you see what can only be described as a collection of odd looking vehicles Uh, you see some stuff that looks like uh, flying saucers you see uh, these odd-looking uh, 
cylinders that have like um, cylindrical landing gear kind of uh, slid out from it, uh, coated in you know this gold and blue uh, plating. Uh, where you can kind of see veins of energy running through them. You can see uh, these large, this large green uh, structure that kind of gets lost in the dark. It You kind of look at it, and it's almost like looking at a, a city from below that's been placed on this platform that's got this large glass dome on it, and it's got these almost like crab-like legs that are using to to stand it up uh, which is all mechanical um you see a ship that looks organic it, it looks like some uh undulating um mass that's vaguely ship shaped uh you know it's got like a um nose and like the equivalent of a fuselage and everything but you can you get a sense that it's asleep with your telepathy, but you can also kind of hear this. This real slow breathing from it. Um, and K2, you know, gives you a minute to kind of take all these in and uh, keeps willing willing down past all these and some of them take quite a while like the the big green ship take quite a while to to go across and you know you see a smattering of others you see like a small uh, looks like it'd fit like a single person about your size like glass sphere um, it doesn't have a seat or anything in it uh, but you see these uh, like purple electricity clack, crackling inside of it occasionally. And eventually K2 leads you to this ship. Is, you know, again, it's the best way to describe it. You come up on this ship and it's in the shape of a crescent moon. Um, you don't see any like cockpit or landing gear it's floating about 10 15 feet off the ground it's flat on the bottom tops and sides like it's just completely like it's it's crescent shaped and then you know it's got like a three-dimensional thickness which is about 40 feet and its circumference is probably about the size of a city block so it's a very large ship. Uh, don't see any windows or anything like that, but you do see skating on the bottom and tops of it robots that are very similar to K2. And um, you'll see like little R2-D2 BB-8-esque little arms kind of pop out of them and uh, you know, you see some sparks fly or some kind of energy uh, shooting off of it. And then it'll retract back and they'll, they'll go to a different spot. And as you approach, you, you see a, 
like a, a portal of some sort, kind of uh, like a, the iris of a camera kind of telescope open and a blue light, a light blue light shines down and this large heavy figure kind of comes out from the bottom and stirs up some dust and it's a about an eight foot, 10 foot tall figure, um, metal. It's a, it's kind of the same bright silver as the ship, uh, powerfully built with the head of a hawk or an eagle, some type of bird of prey. And it's got what looks almost like a crown on the top of its head. Um, Egyptian style. It's kind of like these half horns and then it's got a big circle uh, that's held in between them. And it kind of turns towards you and just stands there for a minute. And all of a sudden you get this, this presence from behind you. And it's just like, I didn't think that, uh, you'd be able to find this place without us, but I guess I was wrong. And, uh, I guess I'm not as mysterious as and intriguing as I thought I was. So, uh, welcome to presence, dirty little secrets. And you turn around and, and there's the guy that referred to himself as R and with him, you see, uh, a few other individuals, you see a tall, athletic bunny man. Um, he looks mostly human, except he's got uh, large rabbit legs, uh, which give him an extra uh, foot or two uh, than a normal human. And then a large set of ears that kind of come out of uh, tousled uh, dirty hair and uh, somewhat rabbit-like nose and everything, but but like I said, very athletic, uh, tight-fitting clothes. And you see a um, an individual looks pretty pretty humanoid. The skin is a, a tad on the blue side. And they only have one eye in the center of their face. Um, fairly short, about four and a half feet tall. And uh, there's one other individual with them that you, you almost missed. Comes up to uh, R's knee. Small, lizard-like. Um, it's got six legs. Um, and four eyes uh, kind of looks like an iguana uh, is the closest thing that you can kind of equate it to um, but it is wearing clothes uh, and it's actually got a, a set of uh, spectacles on each set of eyes ours like yeah uh ooh, you know if you take any he's like uh just so uh just so you know i wouldn't get any uh closer to that uh, thing over there is not, uh, not too friendly. So I don't think that, oh yeah, he had a bit gruffer voice. He's just like, nah, not too, uh, not too friendly. 
So, yeah. Uh, this is uh, best we can tell. This is how present gets everybody uh, to and from Neverwhere. These are time machines. So, but, uh, can't get any of them to work. What, uh, what about you there, friend? You want to give it a shot? Fergus still thinks these revolutionaries are sort of beneath him in some way. He is more interested in the ships that are there in that hangar. He's definitely searching the area. Um, if he can do it by remotely accessing things like cameras and pressure sensors and things like that to sort of feel out the environment without moving, he'll do that because he doesn't want to just turn around and walk away from these characters. I mean, he doesn't really respect them, but he doesn't want them to know that. If that's not possible, then he'll turn to the lead guy, R. He'll say to the R guy, he'll, you know, he'll look to R and his merry band there. He'll get a look of... He'll, he'll put on a look of sort of desperation or hope or something. And he'll say... It is, uh, is there a chance we could go home on, on one of these? He's really interested in investigating all of the ships there. And also if this is a hangar with an exit, you know? Like, is this just sort of a storage closet where all these ships have been shoved and they're like moldering away? Or is this where they landed? Is this a place he can leave from? That's what he's really, really focused on finding out. He's going to sort of humor these rebels. Um, he doesn't take them seriously yet because, as far as he can tell, they're all talk. And um, he also just sort of finds them terribly earnest. And um, aesthetically, that doesn't suit him. So he, he's going to... He's not going to let that slip, but he is going to see if he can dip into their minds and learn a little bit about them. Sort of like, he's going to do this in the way that a bored history professor would go up to the bookshelf in a house he's visiting for a party and quickly flip through the books. Like, hmm, hmm, or not even flip through the books themselves, just see what titles are on all the spines. What sort of things does this person read? Are they serious? Oh, they have this book. It must be blah, 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 that kind of thing. As for the little friend that brought him here, and its big friend in the ship, he will listen to uh, R and stay away from that thing. But he will certainly um, remember how he sort of got access to 
K or K2. Just sort of use that knowledge or that memory to sort of think ahead to if I had to fight the robot Egyptian god, could I attack it in a in a data way? Could I like turn all the other little robots against it or something? He's that's like definitely tertiary priority. He can just stay away from it and not have to deal with that, but somewhere in his mind he's thinking along those lines as well. Thank you.